Hey, what's up? This is Season 2 of Lessons Over Losses, the all-inclusive guide to modern manhood. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is Season 2. We gotta kick it up a notch. Here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to another episode of Lessons Over Losses podcast. I am Andrew, and I'm here with Jason and Travis, uh, my boys. I don't know why my hands are like this. I just felt in like a very namaste mood. Uh, someone else unmute themselves and speak before I before I lead a meditation session right now. Okay. Dude, it's so funny you said that because I was watching you and the tone of your voice, how calm it was. I was like, he's going to say namaste. This feels like a namaste moment. <laughs> so the fact you said it, I was like, I feel like I know you too well now. Oh, I could have, that's, yeah, I should have just taken the moment to just align all of our chakras and and uh, get you in tune with your pranayama and uh, we'll all sit here and say om together. This is getting really weird and hippie right now. So um, how's everyone doing? How are y'all doing? Uh. Another day. I'm pretty okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Another day. You're pretty and you're okay. Is that right? Is that what I heard? You're correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, amount of bromance that comes out on this podcast is is truly, truly indescribable at this point. Um, it's like a verbal cuddle sesh. <laughs> verbal spooning sessions. Um, so thank you everyone for tuning into our verbal spooning session. Uh, we promise not to start off every episode like this. Uh, actually, I don't know why I said I promise not to because that's the promise we probably won't be able to keep. We will transition here. And um, our icebreaker is, um, do you prefer big spoon or little spoon? I'm just kidding. That's not the icebreaker. I just wanted to mess with you. <laughs> uh, I'll throw out the icebreaker because uh, I don't think we planned on who had an icebreaker today, but I'll I'll just throw one out right now. Um, so I have very simple question. I think um, I think everyone's got one of these, but do you have Jason Travis? Do you have a go to song that is your mood booster song? Maybe the day's gloomy, or maybe the day's tiring. Uh, you're in a funk. Is there a is there a get you right song? Well, it just depends on like that type of get right that I'm trying to do. If I'm trying to like work out, then I'll listen to like a different song. If I'm like trying to get some work done, if I'm trying to get work done, I one of my favorite songs to listen to is a uh, uh, Black Man United, you would know. That's really one of my favorite, favorite songs. Um, and yeah, that's really one of my favorite songs. I mean, isn't it obvious? Like, I'm the man, Aloe Black. Come on. <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to be angry. 
if no one yeah. said that. So, <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but similar to Travis, I feel like it's different for the moment. Like if I'm, if I'm trying to get in the mood to study, I actually go onto YouTube and I type in like lo-fi hip hop. Um, cause there's like this like loop that just plays like hip hop instrumentals that are like really calm and like, you know, low and chill. So it just like gets me in the mood to like study and whatnot. But if I'm going to the gym, it's gonna be powered by Kanye West. Fire. Let me let me throw another one here. And um, so I, I I do appreciate both of you had an answer for like focus if you needed to focus, and then you also had an answer for exercise and gym. Makes sense. You're both very healthy, fit individuals. So is there a song that maybe is almost a guarantee to make you smile, like your mood? is uplifted like you just feel like you're happier is there a, a song that's almost a surefire the closest thing to a surefire to like make javid travis smile make jason smile maybe like colt 45 by afro man i don't know just because it's so silly i don't know like if i'm trying to like smile i gotta listen to something that's like funny <laughs> that's such an inappropriate yes. song but <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Oh, I don't know. God, like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I might need some more time to think about it, but that's like the first song that came to mind when he said like smile. Cause it's like, he starts out the song by talking about, you know, walking through, the, walking through the fish market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like that joke gets me every time. So that I don't is know. an acceptable, I'm, that's an acceptable answer. That's an acceptable answer because usually the song that ends up making you smile the most is the one that was like buried deep in your playlist somewhere that you haven't listened to in a long time. And then right when it came on, you couldn't click skip, like you could not skip it. And it immediately made you smile. And I swear to God, if Colt 45 popped up on my playlist sometime, it will make me smile. So I, I, I appreciate that one uh, wholeheartedly, no matter how inappropriate it is. So Travis, do you feel like you have a, an idea of a song that would get you to smile? Um, I really don't have an idea because I, again, I just, um, just depends on my mood. Um, that's what I just tend to go to my playlist and play. Um, I do have songs that I listen to every day, or at least at the gym. Um, <laughs> Fantasy by Mariah. Fantasy by Mariah. <laughs> JB, would you like to? JB just threw that in the chat. And I thought you were like, now that I have more time to think about it, now that, now that I have more time to think about it, I'm like, Fantasy by Mariah Carey, like that song is like a banger. That puts a smile on my face. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were directing that at Travis. And uh, I thought you were saying that that's <laughs> well, that's it might, Travis's it might, it might be a song. It might, it might be. be a song that Travis likes <laughs> too. Be. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a good song. I think it puts a smile on anybody's face. <laughs> I do like wow. that song. Though. Well like then, song. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. This, how about you, Andrew? You, um, what songs do you think about, or what songs do you? Listen yeah, to? I okay. When I think about gym, because I know you all mentioned that, I I like this is like probably my go-to, but Numb Encore, Lincoln Park, Jay Z, that version uh, gets me really like lifted um, for the gym. Uh, I'll throw an inappropriate one out there, and you may 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 or may not have heard it but before i go play basketball i i kind of have to go in angry uh, or confident so if you i don't know if you any of you have listened to kill shot by eminem but it's eminem's diss track to mgk where he pretty much slayed mgk's rap career yeah yeah that that one gets me fired up um but in terms of songs that make me smile 
this one's kind of cheesy, so it's not anything related to Colt 45 or Fantasy by Mariah, but um, it's a TLC song back in the day. It was called Unpretty. And uh, I love that song. Right? Dude. And it makes me miss uh, Left Eye. Um, and I thought the video was like super dope back in the day. I was a kid when I saw it, and I didn't really understand it. And when I went back to watch it as an adult, I thought it was so dope. So I'm happy you know that song, Travis. Dude, I love that song. It's so good. It's so good. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna really yeah. embarrass myself right now. I don't think I've ever heard that song, or if I have, I don't recognize it by the name of the song. So after this, after we stop recording, I'm gonna go listen to it. Yeah, you you might know it. We we might just throw that as our open opening song and sub Aloe Black out one day, and we'll just we'll just throw that in, and then we'll throw Coat Forty Five in as an intro song one day too. Um, we'll figure it out. But yeah, TLC Unpretty or pretty much any song by Aaliyah because she's my she's my all. So okay, ten minutes on this icebreaker. Way too long. Um, we went from spooning into Colt 45s and um, fantasies. Oh, but to answer your I, I question. I can only imagine what we would to, be doing to, together. Yeah. Yeah, to answer your question, I feel like this is going to sound weird, but I like initially starting as the big spoon and then throughout the night kind of like getting some space. And then it's really it's really cute when like, because we sleep, me and Cass sleep on like opposite sides of the bed a lot of the time. Like I'll start by like spooning her. And then by the end, by like a couple minutes in, we get too hot or I get too hot. And I'm like, all right, I love you, baby. But then I roll over to the other side. And then like a few hours later, I'll just, I'll just feel, I'll feel her just like, almost like wear me, like I'll wear her like a backpack. And I become almost like this, like, oh my God, I I almost become the the mini spoon. It is just like, it's funny because I I, I almost like imagine her as just kind of like getting like a piggyback ride on my back. I need to see, (laughs) uh, I need to see a consent release of information form signed and uh, completed by Cass for you to disclose this information man uh we'll see don't tell her that you even said this i'm sh- just wait till she listens she's gonna to hear episode. it she's gonna hear it and yeah. there's no lie here you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> also also I, I, she has me terms. she has me sleep closer to the door so if an intruder comes in and wants to kill us both i i die first i don't know what the thought process is behind that because we're both gonna die but i die first yeah that's fair i would choose it that way too so uh, yeah, I yeah. luckily have a dog. So if anybody broke into my place, the dog's going first, unfortunately. Um, anyway, <laughs> I was about to is... say, your dog, your dog would just like <laughs> lick your dog would just like shower love upon anybody that came in your home. Yeah, she'd be the first responder. So you know that naturally, whatever she does when she responds, whether she wants to attack or lick, that's that's up to her. She's she's a grown woman. She can make her own choices. Uh, but she's the first responder for sure. Okay. Anyways, I'm so sorry. We went, we went off, man. This is so weird. Okay. Great icebreaker. Uh, I hope everyone's still listening. Um, there was a, 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 a bromance cuddle session, then a actual talk about cuddle sessions. So thanks for sticking through this. And I want to transition into, um, anything that caught your guys' headspace, anything that caught your radar. Uh, over the uh, past couple of weeks, over the past month. And um, I'll go last because I think what I have to share will kind of segue us into what we're going to talk about today. And uh, yeah, give me an idea of, of what might have caught your radar over the past couple of weeks. Well, I actually think I should have went last. But I don't... Um, what caught my... Uh, what was on my radar over the last few months, uh, the last few weeks, I really couldn't tell you. Um, but I did have like some recent stuff that happened that actually has been on my mind. But I actually think that would be a great segue into what we are going to talk about today. 
All right. I mean, so for me, because I know we're not going to segue into this, <laughs> um, I just wanted to shout out Andrew and myself because over the past month-ish, uh, he and I have been studying for a very big test, very important test uh, for licensure uh, to be clinical social workers. And we both passed. And I think that, I mean, that was definitely on our radars. We had some uh, some study sessions. You know, we broke down concepts and the fundamentals and we had each other's back. Um, Andrew passed it first. I had that moment of jealousy and happiness at the same time where I'm like, oh, damn, now I wish I would I had went first. Um, but at you the end were of the day, we both such passed. a help, man. You were so <laughs> helpful. I don't think I would have passed without you. It was how I can't Travis, you you're not you weren't a part of this. But man, I had so many like one off text messages to to JB about, hey, man, uh, what would we what would happen if this situation happened? What would happen in this scenario? And then I would like call him and I was sending him like voice memos like, hey, I just ran into this. And uh, I think uh, this and this and this it was huge. Thank you so much, bro. It, it you saved me 150 bucks because that's how much it would have cost me to take the test again had I failed. So I appreciate that. Dude, we helped each other, man. I thought, I thought a lot of those, a lot of those questions you texted me were like, you know, they made me think, uh, like I, I appreciated, I appreciated it all, man. Like I, now that we're looking back on, back on it from the other side, it's like, Oh dude, like I'm just so happy to be done with it, but I'm also so grateful for like, you know, the fact that we, that we really did study, you know, like, I feel like we earned, we earned that dub. You know, it, it's not like we like cheated our way through it. Like, you know, we earned that. And to, to, the thing about this test that people might not know is that you don't, you find out your score immediately, but it doesn't tell you on the computer because you got to take it on like these test taking computers that they set up for you. You have to walk out of the testing center and go to this like front office desk person who you've never met before, who hands you a piece of paper that tells you if you passed or not. And that interaction, like they hold so much power in their hands and they don't even know it at that, in that moment. And like, I'm just like staring at this individual, like burning a hole through the, like their school, like, give me my paper, man. Like, I just don't talk to me. Just give me my paper. I want to get out of here. Um, And so, I mean, there's just like stress, but then ultimately like this feeling of relief that washes over you once you, once you get that and we don't have to take it again. Like that's, that's the biggest thing is like, we never have to take that shit again. So yeah, I thought we'll that, have another was, test. that was important later on down the road. We'll have another one, but, but yeah, so, uh, good stuff, Jason. Trav, did you want to say something? You just wanted to say what's up? Uh, congratulations, y'all. Congratulations to the two of you. Um, well, actually, no, I mean, recently, I mean, I did celebrate my birthday last week. Um, I mean, so that's, yes, you yeah, did on the radar. Yes, was... you did. And then, um, <laughs> and then I, um, and then, like, well, actually, while I was out celebrating my birthday, that's um, I got the news that one of my friends had OD'd, um, and just like kind of took the whole night. Actually, um, you found out that information during your birthday celebration while I was at SP two. No way. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I'm so sorry. While I was out at SP two, um, that's when I found out. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's live. Yeah, fuck, it's it's live. Um, but it also just had me, um, I mean, it's a weird way to bring in my birthday Well, celebrate my birthday, but it also was kind of like a wake up call. Like, okay, like shit's real out here. Um, it's got to move different, operate different. And 
just even be in um different settings and make sure that you know you're in different the right settings with the right people so it was kind of like a weird wake-up call yeah damn i'm really sorry travis you told jb and myself off air and it, it still hurts it still hurts it still hits so i think what's most difficult is that saying i'm sorry for your loss never really helps you know because unless this individual unless any individual is like it's just a horrible person like death and the process of dying is is so difficult and can be so unexpected which makes it more painful um and i don't think i don't think our society does a very good job of approaching the topic of death um and when we talk about you know an overdose specifically we're we're talking about a death related to a mental health disorder um or just an in incidental overdose like they might they might have just been experimenting you know might not have even had any addiction but you know just came across a bad pill and i think i think this is a one of those moments where there's nothing that could be said to improve how you're feeling right now or how the family your you know the family of your love your, your friend is feeling or however and many other friends are feeling but you know just like i want you to know like as you're going through this man like you know, I'll be right by your side. Like, you know, you can call me, you can text me. Um, and I think it's important if this were to happen to anyone else, they understand that they have people that, you know, would do the same for them. I do want to <clears throat> just take a moment. I think this is a good opportunity to highlight a uh, specific um, resource for grief, grief support. And it is uh, known as the National Alliance on Mental Health, also known as NAMI, N-A-M-I. They do have grief support resources specifically for our county, Santa Clara County, Travis, but then also for other counties, LA County and whatnot. And uh, I do encourage individuals who are struggling with something like this to, you know, understand that there are resources out there for them. There are people that have walked this path before that can probably assist them a lot better than you or I could on a podcast um, because this is serious. It won't be the, it won't be the, the last time that we encounter death, unexpected loss. Um, and just to make sure that you, uh, make sure that you, you, you keep, you know, you, you take care of yourself. And if, if you need somebody else to, to shoulder the load for a little bit, shoulder, shoulder the burdens, like, you, you know, you can call me like anytime, um, as any, as any, as any friend should. So, uh, yeah. National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, you can just Google it. Um, and they have really great connections to resources specifically for Santa Clara County and other counties, whatever county you Google, uh, that can assist with this further. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks JB for that. Um, and Travis, of course. Yeah. I'm yeah, it's hard. I, I hate, I hate this and I don't feel good about it, but I just have to, we'll have to go through this episode. Um, uh, just like Travis has to really gather and go through life but uh, I don't know about you guys but I really am sick and tired of saying the words I'm sorry for your loss in the past two to three years um, there's been too much of that so and thanks JV for for that great resource um, you guys are both in both of you are in, in, in the Bay Area but I will uh, attest and say that Southern California County so Orange County LA County and the Inland Empire counties as well NAMI is a, is a great resource and um, you know, when you when you come across any kind of troubling time like this, uh, especially what you're um, 
the situation or recent event that Travis is going through, you know, um, I think in our society, we have a lot, uh, we have a, a tendency to really fixate on, on either you just, um, you resort to like specific coping strategies, but you place a lot of the onus on, on individualism where it's just, you have to take care of yourself. It's individual care. Uh, but don't forget for everyone listening and for you trap too, that community care is a huge aspect of, of treatment for, for everybody, for everything. Um, therapy for myself, like being a therapist, um, with the people that I work with individual therapy and medication for whatever, uh, disorder they have is generally not enough. And it's, a triadic approach and the last there is community care so use that resource everyone to the best of your ability and 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 know that there's community care out there and nami is fantastic at that they do they do a great job travis if you don't mind i don't want to just put you on the spot but could you educate us on some of the coping skills you've utilized to to address this loss i mean I've also already had like own just other stuff going on too, like as far as like work and everything. So I just was already kind of like in a blast plate, a uh, mental space. So I think I've actually just been going through the emotion, if I'm being honest. Um, but in terms of that in particular, um, yesterday I actually ended up just meeting up with one of my friends um, uh, that we had, uh, like a mutual friend, and we just like just went for food, drinks, talk. And was just just sharing stuff, sharing memories, and that's pretty much about it. But I honestly have been having some other stuff going on um, that I share with Andrew about work and stuff. Was that you or with you? Sorry. Um, and so I just like just been. I honestly feel like I've just been going through the motions for the last few days. And going through the motions is is a coping skill in itself. It is a coping strategy, whether we want to acknowledge that it's a whether it's you want to acknowledge it if, if it's unhealthy or, or healthy, uh, however you want to determine it. Um, we're human. We go back to routine. We go back to what we know in the time of either chaos or loss, because we can only, we try to take back any bit of self-control that we can, can get, you know, um, you know, it's, it's every little ounce of self-control and that you have control of your life again um, is empowering. So, uh, if you don't believe me on self-control, ask yourself why did everyone rush to the store to buy toilet paper during a pandemic? And uh, that'll that's a sliver of it right there. So, anyways, um, good stuff. Oh uh-huh. yeah, sorry. I did start. Um, I I did like just was conscious and just started sitting down more, and I started watching TV, which is that. Uh, I don't think this was the best thing to watch, but um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, Dahmer? Um, you watch Dahmer? Dahmer? Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think that was probably like the best thing. But it worked. And you came out happier after watching that. No, I honestly kept falling asleep. That's a sick, sick individual. But you were able to fall asleep. That's impressive. <laughs> that, it just tells me, Travis, you had so much shit going on in your life that Dahmer was your was your melatonin. Just, just think about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, all right. Thanks for sharing everyone. And, uh, I'll go here with, um, you know, what's on my radar. And I guess I should clarify too, Trav, uh, for all of us. But when we say what's on your radar, it doesn't have to be anything that you saw in the news or anything, but it could be anything you experienced recently. So this is what that space is for. Um, <clears throat> really quickly, Andrew, really, really yeah. quickly. And I'm so sorry to interrupt. 
Um, I do think it's important for individuals, and we might discuss it on a later podcast as well, to better understand the stages of grief, the five stages of grief. Um, This might be something useful for us to talk about at a later point. Obviously, right now might not be the best time to talk about that. Um, But I do think the five stages of grief are important to to recognize and understand because they help with our self-awareness and acknowledgement when when somebody is going through this sort of stuff. And now, continue, Andrew. Very good point. Thank you for that. I really do think we will have an episode on stages of grief. And I hate that it took a a loss and a moment of loss and a moment of grief for us to to really bring it up. But some that that's also when it's most poignant. So uh, thanks, JB, for that. I will transition us here. It's a harsh transition because of everything we just talked about. But also at the same time, it does encapsulate a lot of what we've been talking about today and even some of the experiences that we just recently had. So I wanted to bring up uh, today, it just, I just, it came up today uh, on my news feed here, but there was a poll done by CNN and, and Kaiser and it just talked about the country's uh, current mental health state. Uh, it's basically a poll of, of people uh, in the country and how they feel about our current mental health state of as as a country um and shockingly or not shockingly however you want to attribute it but the headline reads 90 percent of u.s adults say the united states is experiencing a mental health crisis and that's a long lengthy very wordy way of just saying that our country is currently experiencing uh, a mental health battle. It's in a mental health war. It's a mental health ad- epidemic. It's a mental health pandemic. However you want to word it, that's basically the way I read it as. And as you go through the study um, and as you go through the article, it just it made me think. As a country, I do think that we are in a very pivotal, crucial moment uh, in terms of our mental health condition as a country. Like if the if the country was a brain, and that brain labeled USA uh, is going through a lot of crap. Um, so it made me want to bring this up because I wanted to ask you guys and I wanted to kind of bounce this off of you. I just sent you guys the article right before we recorded this so we can all take a look at it. But when I, when you look at that, when you see that the country's in a mental health crisis, the word mental health crisis is really just a categorical term. And underneath that, there's so many subsets. Right. What kind of mental health crisis is our country facing? Well, it's facing a lot. You know, um, depression rates are higher. Suicide rates are higher. Substance use overdoses are higher. Homelessness, lack of mental health treatment, um, lack of quality of life amongst adults. So I wanted to ask both of you. Sorry for being so mouthy here. When you see that headline that and when you see that our country is really going through a mental health crisis, which part of the mental health crisis do you find most concerning for our country? Which areas is it and which subset is it? Andrew, I think this is a really good question and I don't think there's a perfect answer. I know there's you're not seeking a perfect answer. You're just asking for what our perspective and opinion is on this mental health crisis. But the first thing I want to say is that the title of this article itself, I feel is it's a bit misleading. Um, I think when we, 
when we think about, you know, it's, it's a very subjective question when you ask somebody what they consider to be a crisis and then for them to deem something a crisis. But I also think it provides valuable insight into how people are feeling in regards to certain things that would classify under mental health, right? Uh, right the article right. mentions the opioid use. It mentions um, suicide attempts. It talks about, you know, COVID-19, gun violence, uh, LGBTQIA plus um, discrimination. Um, and I think when we, I think some one thing that really connects us as human beings is the fact that everybody is going through something. You know, the, the idea that you are special is or like your life is, is unique, is, is true to a certain extent, but also a fallacy because everybody is going through something. Um, and that's not to say what you're going through should be minimized. Absolutely not. But it also represents a greater understanding that those that were, you know, were, were, were part of this, this study recognized that something was going on. And I think that that's what's most important is that they acknowledge that there's an issue and whether it affects them or something they see, they understand that it's a problem. Um, specifically for me, what I think to be uh, part of the mental health crisis, I believe to be is um, twofold. I think that it, I think depression and anxiety are some of the leading causes of um, of co-occurring disorders. You, we look at substance use and the onset of substance use rarely comes based off of nothing normally somebody is going to because drug edu drug education at this point is actually quite widespread um, i think people are learning more and more about the dangers of opioids um, more than ever before especially over the past 20 years People under, have, have begun to understand the risks of, you know, sharing needles from the AIDS epidemic of the, of the 80s and 90s. So the, like the rates of HIV transmissions are, you know, drastically lower and the treatment for HIV and AIDS is far greater than it was decades before. Um, but I do believe that when we look at, oh, Andrew's actually asking me to define co-occurring disorder. I should, I probably should have done that. I'm sorry. Um, a co-occurring disorder similar to its name is the idea that you have two disorders that are simultaneous, concurrently um, working uh, or, or uh, involved in, in your mental health and in your daily life. So, for example, this, uh, this conversation that you know, I'm, I, I'm alluding to is the fact that individuals might have depression or anxiety and turn to self-medicating with substances that could be considered addictive and harmful physically and mentally and in doing so become addicted to those, to those substances or a substance, um, which in and of itself is, could be alcohol use disorder, um, amphetamine use disorder. It could be, it could be, you know, marijuana, yeah, use any, disorder. any like kind of substance, any, right. any kind anything of substance. can be, can, can become a, can yeah. become a disorder. You can have, you can gamble. Gambling is a mm -hmm. disorder can become a disorder. Um, so I think True. that the idea, I think, I think obviously there's nuance to, to each individual, but I do believe that, um, anxiety, depression, trauma are some of the leading causes of mental health crises. We look at suicide rates, obviously most suicide rate, most suicides 
from a general standpoint, are linked to severe depression um, or severe trauma. And the, I mean, you guys probably already know just based on the, this conversation, the example I'm using, but do you, just putting you on the spot, what's the most prescribed medication in America and probably in the world at this point? Just putting you guys on the spot. Um, I mean, I would probably say like, Adder- I would say Adderall or Percocet or something. It's antidepressants. Antidepressant? Antidepressants. Antidepressants are the most commonly prescribed. Yes, they are the most commonly prescribed drug. Um, And I think that indicates a high high percentage of of people in the United States and possibly internationally are struggling with with depression or struggling with anxiety. And um, I'm not saying medication is the wrong thing to use. Obviously, medication has tremendous benefits to it, um, but I think it indicates, you know, that's that's kind of what my my take on um, on this mental health crisis, what it what it really stems from. I appreciate that perspective, JB. Uh, I really do. Um, and yeah, co-occurring disorder is is um, you know commonly used for some kind of mental health related illness that is combined combined with a substance or addictive disorder. So uh, I like what you said at, said about that fact that most, the majority of substance use disorders do not, most of them are not occurring isolated. They generally are co-occurring with some kind of mood disorder such as major depressive or generalized anxiety. So uh, how about you, Travis? Sorry, go ahead and jump in. Well, no, I would I would agree with um I believe Jason said that um like some of the issues as far as like suicide and uh, substance abuse, um I it mentioned that the, you know that's um one of the crises here in the United States and I believe as Jason mentioned that it does come from um, what it stems from um, more depression than anxiety. Um, I feel like uh, p- many people do not know how to um cope or do not know how to cope or do not know how to ask for help or don't know where to go get help from so then they do turn to things like um substance abuse um and suicide unfortunately and um yeah so i i would agree with um with what jason said cool definitely um i mean that was definitely one of the major major issues highlighted in the article. And I think that you ask anybody right now, um, where, where is the biggest concern or where is the biggest hit in terms of mental health for our country? And a lot of folks will say substance use. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to uh, repeat everything or regurgitate everything that was just said, but um, you know, for me, I'm always going to, I generally lean more towards suicide rates and especially especially mood disorders uh, for, for adolescents and teens. And uh, the article showed that uh, ages 12 to 17 in our country, there was an increase in uh, hospitalizations due to mental health-related emergencies. Uh, it was about 31% increase. And uh, JB, you pointed this out, and I think this, this one stat shocked both of us, which was that when 988 was released, when it was released as um, the hotline, they saw a 45% spike in the first month of callers to it. So, you know, I, I bring up this question. I get that this is a very, I'm, I'm bringing a very down mood. It's a very 
Um, it's a very like hopeless mood to this conversation. But um, as we talk about mental health and because we have this podcast and, and, and this space that when we talk about mental health, there are just so many freaking layers to it. And there's a lot of variables at play, all of which contribute to the mental health of our society and the mental health of our community. Because you can ask 10 different people and you might get 10 different answers on how they answer this question because we haven't talked about homelessness. We haven't talked about um, severe mental health disorders such as psychosis. We haven't talked about lack of treatment or barriers to treatment. And in this article, it talked about how hard it is for people to seek mental health treatment. Um, so I just wanted us to kind of take a second to conceptualize the mental health crisis our country is facing. Anything to add to that? I also just want to, yeah, I, ju I just want to say that also, um, you know, working in a hospital, working in an emergency department, it's, we have to be very careful about what we label a crisis because there's a stigma around that, about, around labeling that as well. Um, I think we need to recognize, you know, what is considered a crisis and what's considered a problem. You know, I think that it, the article itself, you know, it cites lack of access to mental health care. It cites um, increased, you know, emergency department visits and whatnot. And a lot of the times it's warranted. A lot of that is warranted. But I think a lot of the times what we're looking at is more of a mental health societal mental health issue rather than necessarily a crisis. Uh, I think it's, I think it's alerted people uh, more and more people are alert to, to the issues going on. But when I use the word, the term crisis, like a mental health crisis, I'm thinking of somebody that's actively suicidal, actively homicidal, actively in psychosis, right? So for individuals that are, you know, calling 988 because they're suicidal, that is a mental health crisis. If somebody is, has unmanaged symptoms of depression where you know they're they've been feeling really low i think that that's a mental health problem and i think it could become a crisis but i think that using the term crisis there's a lot of power and weight in using the term crisis and i think that we need to be careful about what we label as a crisis as opposed to something that isn't necessarily it's a similar to like you don't go to the emergency department for something that could be seen by your primary care doctor in a few days to a few weeks. Right. So when we, when we talk about a crisis, it it's has to be fair. something that's immediate that, ne that needs attention immediately. Right. So if somebody's saying like, you know, it's a mental health, if they're, if they're saying it's a crisis because there's a lack of access to healthcare, I don't see that as a crisis. I see that as the crisis would be somebody that's suicidal that can't access the healthcare. If somebody is saying, you know, I've been feeling depressed and I want to start seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist, that's not necessarily a crisis. Do you get what I, do you get what I'm saying? For sure, I very fair. Yeah, go ahead, Travis. Jump in. No, no, I was about to say I get what you're saying. No, I get what you're saying, and I, yeah, I get what you're saying. But I have to give a little pushback because, um, because what you may be mentally um, capable of um, enduring or going through. Um, your mental strength doesn't necessarily um, equate to the to the to mine or Andrew's or the next person's. So what may not be a crisis to you um, may be a, a mental crisis for someone else. Um, yeah, mainly because they just probably don't know they're not as strong as you or me or Andrew. I, I yeah no okay, 
yeah, I, I might not have explained. I might not have been clear about what I'm saying because you're right. Everybody's different. Like if I were to be depressed and somebody else is to be depressed, we don't have the same depression. Right. But at the same time, like we have to recognize that there are parameters to, I believe there should be parameters to what is labeled a crisis versus what should not be labeled a crisis. If somebody says, yeah, like I've been feeling depressed lately. Um, you know, that's a red flag. Like that's something that we want to talk about, but that's not necessarily something that would, you know, considered to be a crisis, right? That's something that could be treatable, you know, something that could be, you know, addressed and, and whatnot. I feel like crisis is something that requires immediate, acute crisis interventions. Like somebody is about to hurt themselves or somebody else, or they're in psychosis. Um, and so that's why I kind of feel like the title is a little bit misleading and saying that nine out of 10 people believe the, that the United States is in a mental health crisis. It's like the, opi the opioid epidemic, huge issue, huge issue. Like I see there's people coming in and opioid withdrawal, opioid overdoses. Um, and I know Travis, it might be poor timing to bring this up obviously, but it is part of the article. So I do apologize if any of this is triggering, but you know, somebody that is suffering from substance use may not be in crisis, right? They might, they might have an issue with, with opioids, but that doesn't necessarily mean that right then and there, they are in a mental health crisis. Like their life might be in a very dark place, but the, to use the terminology of crisis, I think is a very loaded statement. I would have to disagree. Also, wait, just to clarify to you all, he's not talking about me when he says substance abuse. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the experience of the loss, the loss that you just, the loss that you just had. Yeah. No, let me clarify that too. <laughs> but no, so I do agree with you that the, um, that the title um, is misleading for sure. Um, because I don't necessarily think, well, I'm not sure how accurate the numbers are. Um, so I do agree with you on that. Um, but in terms of like, you know, his substance abuse issue, which caused him to OD, um, that it, it, that, that's a crisis. Um, it's, um, again, some people are just are mentally, um, some people are like just stronger than, um, others. So, if yeah some people are stronger than others so it's a why i consider it a crisis is because um he it, uh, clearly he was doing all those drugs so he needed some type of help um some type of attention and it could be someone else that probably felt or some other friends or even family members that felt you know like what he was going through wasn't you know um a crisis or wasn't that serious but to him it was which forced him to continue to do these drugs and that many drugs. So it's just kind of like, well, Travis, let, let me, let me throw another example at you. Okay. Let's talk about, uh -huh. let's talk about the functioning addict, right? Let's talk about the individual who is addicted to opioids, but is functioning, holding a job down, has not passed away from an overdose. Is that person in crisis? No, but well, I would say, well, honestly, I, I, I answer too fast. Um, they're functioning and all of that, but it's it's one of those things when you just said that you don't go to the um don't go to the emergency room for something that you uh, make an appointment for, um so that's how I see that if they're functioning they're getting through it, um it's not something that needs to be addressed immediately, um we can kind of provide them with the resources set them up for some treatment connect them to stuff like that, but if it if it's like someone that just 
immediately started taking all these drugs or immediately like behavior completely switched then yes that's a crisis but if they're functioning in yeah no it goes back to what you said don't go to the emergency room for something that you can set an appointment for i'm gonna jump in here because this will be i think we're going in circles i'm gonna be honest with you guys i think we're going in circles here um I don't know if well. First of all, it does not shock me if um, if uh, if if a headline of a news article is completely misleading. Shocker, um, doesn't anybody surprised by that at all? No, no, not none of you. Neither me neither. So doesn't shock me. Uh, but if if the if the poll was about people answering to whether they feel the U.S. is in a mental health crisis. Um, and that's how people felt. So people, people view these incidences, the people view these issues as crises to them. JB, I was smiling, not because this is a very, not because this is a funny issue to talk about, but mainly because you and I just sat through uh, a test and a whole study session about what crisis is and when to call crisis responders. Um, and I feel like we're kind of, you're in that headspace right now, which makes a lot of sense. So I think there's a lot of value here. J, what JB is saying is that in in everyday in societal circumstances the vernacular of crisis or crises usually has to meet a certain criteria uh in order for it to be an emergency right andrew i also want to say though that these this is like these are the people that are conducting the study that are using this terminology right the way that they conducted the study is they reached out to they reached out to individuals and they cold called people and they use the terminology do you think the mental that america is in a mental health crisis they use that word and there's a lot of power behind that word. They didn't ask, what do you think about mental health in America? And nine out of 10 said, oh, it's a crisis. They didn't all use that word. The word is loaded and it is, it is presented to them. And then they ask yeah, them well, and- of these, of these six crises, what do you think are the most, you know, what, what do you think are the most important or what do you think are the most dangerous right now? Like they are the ones that utilize that word as opposed to nine out of 10, of, uh, you know, as, as opposed to these people, like, I, I guarantee if they were to say, do you think that there, there's issues with mental health in the United States? Nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 would have said, yeah. And in the, in the article title would have been 90% of US adults think that there are mental, uh, that there are issues with mental health in the United States. And I, I don't disagree with anything. I don't disagree with that at all, for sure. I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. And whether the validity of the poll is intact or not, there might be some limitations to its validity um that's fine but i mean even on your own definition jb like so let's let's define crisis as imminent right imminent danger emergency related situations now you gave a lot of examples for individuals but if i asked you that question with your with your definition is this country currently facing a mental health crisis what would be your answer yeah, what would be your answer? I'd be curious to know that. It's too loaded of a question. Like that's kind of what I refer back to. It's like you're asking you're asking me to evaluate the entire United States on the basic generalized broadened statement of mental health crisis. Like do I think there's an opioid epidemic? Yes. Do I think that suicide rates are at a, you know, decades dec- maybe all-time high? Yes. Do I think that access to mental health care is very poor? Yes. Do I consider these things to be a crisis? It depends on what we're talking about. 
Yeah, if you if, isolate if we're, if we're, them, if we're, it's yeah, if we're gonna, probably not if we're gonna, gonna come isolate out to a certain, crisis, but yeah, if we're gonna, if, so, if we want to, if we want to say, do we think that suicide rates and the you know those that are suicidal have you know if, if we say that like not 75 50 25 you know name your percentage of people that don't have access to mental health care during a mental health crisis is that a problem yes but labeling you know just a generalized statement saying like is you know nine out of ten believe uh, uh, nine out of ten u.s adults believe that the, that there's a mental health crisis in the united states I think is a very loaded question and I'm not trying to minimalize or, or, you know, take away from the issues that are going on societally with mental health. I think that there's clear issues that need to be addressed, but I think the terminology and there's a lot of, you know, zero to 100, like we're, we're saying either something's chill or either something is a crisis. And there's a lot of room in between that, you know, you know, we could say, are we concerned about, suicide rates in the United States. Yes. Are we concerned about lack of access to mental health care in the United States? Yes. Would you say that it's a crisis? It depends on every individual because we're talking, we could be talking about somebody that has, you know, a mental health disorder like anorexia, right? And that's really serious, really serious. Now, if that person isn't actively in a state where they are harming themselves or harming others and, you know, can follow up with, with their psychiatrist, their doctor, their therapist, family, friends, their network to address what's going on. I don't think that's a crisis. If I, I hear you, I, if I hear you, you know, and that's kind of where I'm going with it. No, I, I hear this very, very loud and clear. And I, I am gathering a lot from you, JB. So it truly is nuanced for you in your perspective. And so I appreciate the idea that we treat this as an isolated incident. And maybe maybe the proper questioning is, um, you know, is there a substance use crisis in the country? Is there a suicidal, um, is there a suicide crisis in the country? And maybe there's nuances to that too. Um, but I, I can say like the, the area I'll push back is like, it is a loaded question. And I, I agree that framing it, the framing of this question is, is very misleading. Um, it's, it's very igniting and that's what news, that's what news, um, you know, news outlets do, right. They ignite, it's meant to, to trigger reaction the same way we're all getting reactive right now. So even if it is that, um, I could still answer the question based on your definition of crisis and still say that the country currently is succumbing a mental health crisis. I, I have a lot of reasons for that answer. Um, I actually really hate the way we define crisis, even in our line of work, JB, like you in an emergency room in a hospital and, and myself working with at-risk population, like I hate the way we define crisis. Um, it's, to me, it sounds like a cop-out for, for like, we just don't have enough resources to handle all mental health related emergencies. And so we have to really pin it down to like, is someone really going to die or get hurt right now? If the answer is no, then it's not a crisis, right? So I think my answer is is very much loaded um, when I answer this question um, because I, I personally don't really like the way we define crisis in our society anyway. Um, because let me finish this before you jump in. And because one person who might be succumbing to uh, a mental health uh, disorder, like let's just say someone who has psychosis, someone who's hallucinating, 
uh, if that person is not harming anybody, um, but maybe they're just at home screaming and they're like, ah, they're screaming loud. The government's out to get me. Uh, they point to their brother or sister. Like, I think you're from the government. I, I think some, you know, they brought you here to mess with me. They're not about to harm anybody. They're just loud and screaming. Not a crisis. If you called the crisis response team, they would not hospitalize that individual. But to that family and to that family structure, that whole family is experiencing a crisis because something is thrown out of whack. And so when you, that's just like on the meso scale, right? The medium scale, which is the family structure. And if you look at it as our country, we have so many different issues going on to where I can only frame it as, yeah, we have a crisis in place for our mental health condition. Does that make sense? Did I, did I say anything that made sound like English there? I mean, I get where you're coming from. I think we just disagree on what the term crisis means. Um, because, you know, you're talking about somebody that has active psychosis going on. Doesn't sound like they're going to harm themselves to their family. This is important to anybody that's hearing this. It's important. I feel for any, any family, any individual that's going through that. If they are safe, that's not a crisis. If they, I are agree with you hurting, that it's going not to hurt a themselves or others because if that's the family, how it's if defined. the family needs access, if the family needs access to resources to to further support this individual and care for this individual, that's a problem. That's not a crisis. They could that's, feel stress. They could feel stress in the moment. They could because clearly that's stressful. Absolutely, that's stressful. That does not constitute a crisis. A crisis I agree. is something that's where you're how calling nine one one. You're calling. I'm just the, saying. The crisis I don't like the team. definition. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't like the definition. I think we're. But, I think we're agreeing. And, I, th- I think we agree and, on this. <laughs> and what? But what I feel like in in America and in, in, in the United States for sure is it's like they we we have to wait. Well, we tend to wait to something is a crisis in order to like. Uh, get people to the resources, even if like you know these different signs are shown um, way shown shown ahead of time, or uh, family members reporting something in advance, or um, it's like we wait until like it's a crisis. And again, um, back to what it's like, what's a crisis to you? Um, which may be the person that created the definition of the person that's working at this office. What 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 a crisis? What may be a crisis what may not be a crisis to you sorry um is a crisis uh can be a crisis to this person and that that can lead this person or their family to um you know react in some type of way that probably possibly can bring their life back um and one thing i truly hate to be honest is the fact that we do have to wait um and, and I see this stuff. I've, I've experienced this like multiple times, even just like with something on homelessness. You have to wait till like somebody is going through an actual crisis in order to get connected to the resources. And sometimes at that point, it's too late. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of resources are vulnerability based and crisis based for sure. Um, but that's also just because of the lack of bandwidth to support those that are only having problems compared to those that are having crises. Like if we had more crises clinicians, if we had more outpatient behavioral health support, more outpatient substance use treatment centers, um, there'd be far less crises. But to your point, Travis, I agree with you that people will have their own definition of crisis. Right now, I'm only presenting my definition. And those that are listening, the two of you, we could differ on that and we could bicker around you know, what we consider to be a crisis all night. Um, I do want to just, you know, really highlight the fact that we need to be careful with the terminology that we utilize, right? 
there's stigma around around verbiage and when we utilize a term for something it can stick i'm not here to like if somebody came into my came into my emergency department and they are experiencing a lot of stress in their life they're about to be evicted they are going through a divorce they are completely broke they may feel as if in that moment they are in a crisis their life is at is is at a crux where they can you know either things will get better or things will get worse and i think that in that moment that individual is too close to the trees to see the forest metaphorically they are so deeply involved in the issues presented in front of them that they don't recognize the bigger greater surrounding things around them they're alive they are you know might be of good health they might have support you know people around them that they just haven't thought of reaching out to to talk about things with um and so i just want to be careful when we label something a crisis and ultimately i could be wrong you know the opioid epidemic can certainly to some extent probably be considered a crisis because of the lack of resources and the influx of fentanyl and opioids um, that are flooding the streets. Ultimately though, I just want us to be careful when we label something or someone to be in crisis because that in itself creates its own set of, you know, uh, of issues and its own set of, you know, uh, consequences. That is a very, you know, powerful, I think necessary, um perspective jb and uh, i'm actually very happy that you're you're speaking what you're speaking because it just go, further shows that the three of us generally align a lot on mental health related issues and um just it really just reflects that mental health in this country and in any country for that matter in any universe it's uh it's a far more nuanced conversation than we give credit for and um the three of us can all agree that mental health is a problem in this country. Um, we can all agree that uh, crisis is um, is a very touchy subject and a touchy situation for anyone to be in, and crisis is experienced differently. And then we can also agree on one thing that I really like. Tra- really liked what Travis said, which is that our country is tends to be reactive to mental health related issues. Uh, we're very very rare. I, I actually. That would be a question I could pose to, that would be a great poll. It's like, in which area is our country actually proactive for mental health? And I cannot think of an answer right now off the top of my head. I, there's just no answer for it. So Medication. You- we are very <laughs> proactive. We medicate, we almost over-medicate. And I'm not going to say that medication isn't, isn't a solution, but big pharma, and this is not conspiracy, Jason, this is real, realistic, Jason, Doctors who might not even be trained in mental health are super quick to prescribe antidepressants. Um, pharmaceutical companies, of course, can can you know provide kickbacks to doctors that that provide these medications. We've seen it with the opioid epidemic. Um, we are extremely proactive I hear when you. it comes to medication based treatment because I hear of course you. there's a lot of money involved and in that. That is a very valid answer too, and um, uh, we do over prescribe antidepressants in this country. Um, Travis, you gonna say something? No, actually, I, I agree with Jason. Um, 
a lot. And even just like from my own um, experience, when I first signed up for therapy, they they automatically just gave me like prescribed me like antidepressants, and I still got the bottle, never popped in two years in, haven't popped the bottles. Like I don't need this. I got my own way of coping and my own things, so I don't need this. So I do agree with Jason that they um they are really uh proactive with. Uh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, like that. that's so frustrating. Just to, just to continue on this example, when we have individuals that are hospitalized for, you know, they, they come through the emergency department and then they, you know, they go upstairs to one of the, the medical floors for observation. And if they, if they want to address their anxiety with a, or depression with a doctor, the doctor might induce them onto antidepressants that day. Whereas when it comes to therapy, you know, we come in and we, we might have like an acute brief therapeutic intervention that we utilize in that moment. However, we then refer them outwards to, you know, uh, to therapists and, and to agencies, and that can take two to three weeks before you get your intake appointment. So we are very proactive with medication, less proactive when it comes to the actual therapy. Yes. Um, I won't beat a dead horse here, but medication is, is quite abundant as in comparison to any other mental health resource. So, um, I appreciate hearing that from both of you and then Travis, what you said, that's so fucking frustrating. I, I'm like heated to even hear that you went to therapy and they're like, oh, here's some meds. What the, oh, so disgusting. Um, and I would argue that even medication is such a reactive, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a knee jerk reaction for our, our providers, because, uh, if we were proactive and we, if we were getting in front of it, there are a lot of other ways to, to treat depression before we even prescribe meds. But anyways, I appreciate everyone for sticking around. This was, um, this was a, a lot of fun and a lot of emotion and a lot of intensity. And um, it wouldn't shock me if I, the minute I click stop recording, the three of us just started yelling at each other for another five to 10 to 15 minutes. And um, sometimes it'd be like that. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's necessary. And um, right now, everyone, uh, Travis, um, it's necessary for, for everyone and you then and all of us to just take care of yourself and uh, rely on your supports um, rely on yourself and take care and, and, and really be kind and mindful to everybody because, uh, we're all going through stuff and whether you want to believe the mental health crisis is here for our country or not, we can't deny it. It's an issue. And, uh, I'm glad we're here to talk about it. So thanks, Travis. Thanks JB. And thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate y'all. Enjoy the rest of your day. We thank y'all for the love and listening to another episode from season two of Lessons Over Losses. Don't forget to subscribe to our page wherever you get your podcasts and check us out on Instagram and TikTok at Lessons Over Losses Podcast. Again, thank you for listening to this episode. Peace. Peace.